On the latest episode of the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics podcast, we're going to simply dance on, dance on, while pouring over the lyrics to this love sexy track. My dance partner for this episode is the one and only Aloy LaSanta. Welcome back to the show, Aloy. Ow! <laughs> hey, thank you Get for up. having me back on. I wish oh, I had some reverb. I have to have some echo or some reverb on that. Man, I should have set that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't ask me to do that in post-production because I have no idea how to work on that. So it's just going to have to be raw just like it is. There you go. But thanks for having me on, Jason. I always love coming and talking with you. I appreciate you being on the show because, you know, you've been doing this for a while and, you know, we've collaborated on a few songs and I, I know you dig Love Sexy. I mean, I've I've seen your episodes on the Princess Friend YouTube channel enough to know Love Sexy is your jam, like the album, like you really dig it. Well, and, and here's so, an interesting point. Here's an interesting thing of why when you said, is there a song that you would want to do? And I was like, yeah, dance on is if you go to Princess Friend and you watch my opening sequence. Uh, I actually use Prince's Ow from the beginning mm-hmm. as part of my intro. Uh, you know, the rest of it is other music, but I was just like, I need something in there. And just the beginning of this with just his Ow is just like, oh, it's just so perfect. Yeah, yeah. So it's a perfect episode for you to join me on. Exactly. For sure. If, if for no other reason than to make sure our listeners knew that that's where that Ow came from. It's from <laughs> Dance On. <laughs> All right. Well, Dance On is kind of like smack dab in the middle of the album. You know, we've had this big emotional moment with Anastasia. And, uh, you know, at this point, we've had a couple of singles, Alphabet Street and Glam Slam. So we're trying to the, the album itself is is kind of feeling like it's trying to tell us something, trying to give us a message. Some songs and more more overtly than others, like on I Know. But this is then it kind of reverts back to a little bit of a song that's seemingly on the surface that doesn't have a whole lot to do with the narrative. But I think as we go through the lyrics, I, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like this song, Dance On, speaks more to the narrative of the Love Sexy album than even Alphabet Street does. Um, I don't know what your overarching thoughts are on the song in terms of like how it fits in with the album, its placement. I know you're a track listing kind of guy. So what are your thoughts I on am, that? I am. Sequencing is it is entirely super important. And out of the nine songs, the fact that it's in the middle is kind of – this it would be the song that would be like everything's changed now. But it's actually kind of not. Uh, this is kind of the last part of the first half. Uh, half is – used relatively weirdly there but you know i know to dance on is like half of the story uh leading up to then the sixth track being where the love sexy where prince has the rev the revelation uh you know so anastasia is where he you know he's kind of at his lowest point and dance on is where he's looking around and he's seeing how crazy the world is and all of the death and destruction and devastation and corruption and all of these different things 
And that's why then the next song is Love Sexy, because I have made the decision to, you know, devote my life to God. And then that's why when two are in love and I wish you heaven and positivity and all these great, you know, uplifting kind of songs come after that. But Dance On is kind of the last of the downer songs on the album, even though it's super upbeat, but uh, subject matter wise, I will say. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because the song gives me kind of similar vibes to songs like uh, 1999's lyrics or I mean, 1999's lyrics say one thing when the music says another, which is kind of like what this song does. Mm-hmm. While a song like Sign of the Times, the music and lyrics are kind of speaking the same language, I feel like. And this one yes. almost leans more to, you know, lyrics that speak of, of serious topics, but the music is real fun and, and bouncy. And, you know, the, the chorus is dance on, dance on. So, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't have that dour kind of uh, feel to it when you're listening to it without paying attention to the lyrics. But you know, well, again, this is a lyrics podcast, so we'll do I that. I think you're right there, though, because the, I think it, it it serves two different things, right, and could be interpreted in two different ways. Um, it could be interpreted as all of these terrible things are happening, but we have to keep going, um, you know, and that's why it's kind of upbeat. Or you can take it as, uh, I guess, the more cynical kind of interpretation, which is kind of the way that I take it, which is look at all of these terrible people ignoring the bad stuff because they're just dancing. But then there's this death over here. They're just dancing. Oh, but there's nuclear war. Everybody's just dancing. You know, and, you know, so there's two different ways. Like you're either you have to dance on through it or everybody's just dancing and ignoring the bad stuff. Um I like to use the second one myself. Yeah, I mean, Prince doesn't doesn't really clarify that for us throughout this song yeah. because the the chorus is very simple. There's nothing. The, the 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 verses are one thing. They they tell a story or they tell you know kind of a story like pulled from the headlines type lyrics, and the chorus being just dance on does leave it completely up to interpretation and how you want to apply those uh, you know that that message of dancing on. Yeah. One of the two ways. I like the fact that there's more than one um, kind of interpretation, just like with most of Prince's songs. That's one of the things that I found a lot of his music offers multiple interpretations. I'd be curious to see. I, I bet it'd be almost like 50-50 split between how people interpret this song. I think it's pretty um, pretty easy to take either one of them and say, like, this is the one I like or this is the one I think he was saying or trying to say and run with it because um, they both work. Well, and I think it also kind of like what we were saying before, it it does matter of whether you're just taking the song as itself or if you're taking the song as part of the album. Um, Yeah. You know, I had this discussion about a lot of different Prince songs, uh, you know, and people are like, you're crazy to think that it means that. And I'm like, well, like if on its face, maybe not, but albums matter. Right. So like you have to take the entire album and the story being told uh, as part of the equation is to the overall meaning. And um, not everybody does that because we live in a in a, you know, in a world where people are listening to a single song uh, and they're like, yeah, you know, the rest of the album was fine, I guess. But I really like this song. And it's just like, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, and it may be people don't make albums like that anymore. But like any albums I make are always you know, there's a story to it, even if it doesn't seem like there is. Um, so anyway, yes, 
<laughs> if any album of Prince's <laughs> was he wanted you to listen to as as kind of one cohesive, mm-hmm. one long cohesive moment, it'd be Love Sexy because of the way he tracked it initially. Yeah. So this was his vision for this album very clearly, like to listen to it all together. You know, this was to be the fifth quote unquote track, even though it was all one track on the original CD. So yeah, it does it does make a difference in you know in 1988 when it was released that this was supposed to be listened to all together and instead of broken up as a i mean he didn't release this song as a single um a song like alphabet street i think can easily be pulled out of the narrative of the love sexy album and just be its own thing even a song like glam slam it doesn't really um change anything i don't think too much with the lyrics me personally, that's my opinion, but I don't think it changes a lot of the lyrics if you pull it out of the album and listen to it by itself. Right. Um, but this song, I mean, it certainly can. It certainly can, considering its placement behind Anastasia, before Love Sexy, and also the two different interpretations of what that chorus is really trying to tell the listener. Um, being, you know, whether it's dancing on because you're trying to uh, forget your woes, like in 1999, or people are just ignoring everything and just dancing because they don't see uh, what's right in front of them. You know, all the, the social ills. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, the, the whole releasing it as a single track thing, uh, when Prince was alive, uh, if you, you know, I think he allowed it on some streaming platforms. And if you went to the streaming platforms, it was still there as one track. Uh, it wasn't until <laughs> never after, wavered on that, huh? Yeah, no. It was. It wasn't until after he passed and the estate took over and started putting it on every you know platform and all that stuff again um, that it then got separated out. And honestly, for the longest time, it wasn't even available. Um, I don't. I don't even know why. I don't know if they were still trying to figure out if they could go around Prince's wishes or whatever. Who knows? Uh, but, <laughs> but like, I'm pretty sure Prince always still wanted to have this as a single track. Um, it is an experience of an album. It is not just a collection of songs. No, no. I mean, that was kind of like one of the. I wouldn't say critiques of Sign of the Times because it's hard to really critique that album, but. I think a lot of people kind of felt like Sign of the Times was just a collection of music and it didn't have, it didn't tell as much of a story. Or maybe the stories that it told are more contained, like in the different sides of a vinyl album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a whole, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to, with, you know, a few exceptions like Pink Floyd's The Wall and, um, you know, Nine Inch Nails The Fragile to like have a double album that is, telling still a story from beginning to end that's a lot of music to tell a story in which yeah you know i mean there's long there's long films out there there's two three plus hour movies out there telling stories so why can't an album do that you know in super long length but um this one is i agree is definitely telling us a story from beginning to end in a way that you know i don't think sign of the times was really trying to do necessarily and that was you know considered one of his premier albums of the 80s so yeah uh, it, it's not always important for an album to tell a story i don't think for listeners to enjoy it but when an artist does it i just value that so much because it kind of gives you some insight into their creative process it gives you insight beyond just i'm a really good songwriter i can make some jams <laughs> uh, what else are you trying to say you know and then yeah. artists so people don't look 
for their artists to tell them anything about who they are or what they're into or what their message is. But uh, I think anybody who listens to Prince long enough figures out that there's a lot of messages in his music. And if and if you're really just looking at his music from the surface, that's cool. But I love being able to I love artists that that have that ability, you know, and, and Prince obviously did. Well, I think that I think that that is basically what differentiates somebody who can play a song versus an artist. You know, because an artists are artists drive is to be provocateurs. You know, um, that is what art is supposed to be. Like nobody paints a picture and then just says, cool, I painted a picture. It's like, no, what do you think about this picture? What do you feel about this picture? What do you think that this picture is saying? You know, uh, and that's through many different mediums from sculpture to painting to photography to music. Uh, you know, you know, it's not even it's not just hey, that's a cool guitar lick. It's just like, oh, but where is that guitar lick in the mix? And, you know, how does it add to the overall flow of the song? And, you know, things like that. Like, like for instance, with Dance On, you'll notice that, like, a lot of the song is just drums. Uh, and the guitar kind of picks up here and there, and then obviously it builds to towards, you know, the big solo near the end. But uh, this song itself is actually pretty sparse, instrumentality wise uh which i think is also uh an artistic choice for a song that's kind of about uh what it's about you know and the and, and again uh, i guess this is the section where we talk about this stuff and then we'll get into the lyrics but you know the with the song being primarily drums uh the drums themselves are essentially kind of like a march right a march towards war a march you know you're marching towards something bad you know and in my opinion the little in-betweens uh with the drums are kind of like trying to break out of that uh mm -hmm. that's what that's how i interpret the song you know it's like we're marching towards this really terrible stuff uh but now let's let you know you know it's you know it's something different right in the middle of all of this craziness. Hmm. So uh, again, it's so many different ways to interpret this song. It's why I love it. Like I've I've done the polls, I've done the videos. This is by far a lot of people's least favorite song on Love Sexy, and I'm like, you are all fools. <laughs> <laughs> There's this song is so amazing, you don't even understand. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll be able to. Uh to sell some people on the song in ways that they haven't been sold before. So let's, uh, let's dig into the lyrics. Yes. Okay. So after the opening, ow, you have somebody in the background saying, pick it up. And then kind of like, it's a little bit lower in the mix. There's a, a woman. I don't know. I've heard, I've read somewhere. that's cat. I'm not sure if it's credited. I'd have to listen. I honestly don't even remember that. I just listened to it like three times this morning and I think it's so low in the mix. I don't think, think I heard it's, it. It's very low. It's very low. It's one of those, like if you don't have the lyrics in front of you to tell you that there's something being said here, there's another line later on in the song. That's kind of like the same way where it's almost muttered under the, you know, you know the vocalist's breath yeah. and hidden in the music, but there there's a line, there's a bass guitar in this, which I find, <laughs> I don't know. I just find that funny. Cause like, Oh, okay, cool. So Levi's there, I guess, or Prince, maybe, if he's playing guitar. But um, 
this one is credited on Prince Vault being like a band effort. So it's got, of course, Prince and uh, Dr. Fink and Bonnie Boyer and Levi Caesar Jr. and Mika Weaver and Sheila E. They're all on Prince Vault as being credited as performing on the song in some form or fashion, whether it's just vocals or whether it's, you know, instruments as well. So I don't know. Um, it doesn't credit Cat, but I thought I read somewhere somebody thought it was Cat saying this. Could be Sheila. Could be Bonnie. Who knows? Them? Uh, I don't know if there's any relevance to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the there's a bass guitar in this is um, I think it's indicative of the the line coming up about the bass guitar as well. True. Yes. Yes. Looking forward to it's in verse three. So, yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. It's get a little foreshadowing. Okay, so then the first two real lines of lyrics. Grenade launcher roars in a television sky. Tell me how many young brothers must die. So it's a really quick, short verse there to start off the song. Um, with this first verse, you know, you're already kind of like getting that whole feel that I talked about already with a pulled from the headlines or maybe, um, you know, talking about uh, things like um, war, grenade launchers. I mean, those are typically things you don't especially domestically here in the united states thankfully we're not subjected to a lot of grenade launchers constantly being fired off you know in, with some sort of internal conflicts happening in the united states but you know across the world there's always there tip, seems to always be some sort of yeah, internal conflicts wars between countries where this is a you know like a daily thing a daily reality for them so yeah. I, I get that within the television sky, I mean, like the person's talking about this being seen on the TV as opposed to it being something that they're experiencing firsthand. Well, I mean, there's there's the old saying of like, what's the difference between American media and international media? And it's that American media uh, shows the, the bomb launching. Uh, international media shows where it lands. Hmm. No. Yeah. So it's it's kind of that, right? But I, I feel like the the young brothers line, tell me how many young brothers must die, is also about just, you know, how many people of color uh, end up being, you know, convinced to join the American military uh, just for them to have a semblance of, you know, a normal life and have the opportunity to go to college and whatnot. So there are actually a lot of uh, people of color, I wouldn't even just say black, uh, there's a lot of people of color who joined the military to even just be on the same level as somebody who might have been born into more privilege and more wealth and didn't have to do that to actually have any of those opportunities. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so the line, tell me how many young brothers must die, is I feel reflective of that, of just how many people are going and joining the military and going overseas to fight a war that, you know, if they had been born with more, they would have never even made that choice. Right. As opposed to it being two disconnected lines where the first line's talking about maybe foreign wars and, and us watching those wars on television versus, a, you know, something domestically 
how many young brothers must die in, you know, gang violence or uh, incarceration, um, you know, at the hands of police, whatever. So it can be, I think, probably taken both ways. But I like your interpretation because that makes the two lines feel connected as opposed to disconnected. Well, I feel like this song itself is about the duality of the wars. There's a lot of wars happening in this song. Um, so, so there is the kind of local war, right? Then there's the, there's the you know, actual wars, na- national wars. Uh, but also there's this war of, again, the, the song, the beat of the song and how it's broken up. There's it, like the song is even fighting itself because, again, it's, it's the realization and are you just going to ignore it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so it's a very short short verse as i mentioned and then we just get to a short chorus where they just say and i say they because this sounds to me like it's not just prince singing oh definitely sounds, sounds to me like it's a, a chorus of vocalists dance on dance on and that's repeated again yeah. um, and again this is where you have to kind of come to your own conclusion is he telling you despite grenade launchers roaring and brothers dying do we just dance on <laughs> you know and right. you know kind of saying just keep marching forward don't don't let this negativity or this um the the violence get you down continue to dance on enjoy life or is it saying you know people are just dancing on despite all this so or again like just hearkening back to say let's go crazy right is dance on god like is dance on accepting god you know, like third interpretation, Aloy throws in at the last minute. Uh, you know, it's like <laughs> it's these terrible things. You have to dance on, except God. You know, because that's you know was a lot in his music. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and, and this is a little bit why I feel like even this song, despite I think a lot of people's feeling like it doesn't really like it's the sore thumb of Love Sexy or it's the it's the you know, redheaded stepchild of love sex. Like it just doesn't seem to fit thematically. I disagree. And I think that this one can definitely fit thematically with the rest of the album, even though it doesn't, you know, refer to spooky electric or love sexy, you know, um, explicitly, or even talk about God explicitly, but there's ways to interpret it as, as being, you know, a fitting um, piece of the narrative. Exactly. All right, then uh, moving on to verse two, we have Little Talk Johnny blew the big score. The gang nailed his feet to a wooden floor. Nuclear band never stays in tune. They all know the words, but the music is doomed. So verse two, I just wanted to point out the way it's performed. Like the nuclear band never stays in tune. To me, that sounds like Bonnie. Does that sound like Bonnie to you? Oh yeah! Oh, it's totally Bonnie. Okay, <laughs> I, I, you know, because it's not, it doesn't state that in in like any of the the credits. Yeah. But I mean, I don't want to say yeah, that's definitely Bonnie without 
making sure and talking to somebody else about that. I would okay. say it's definitely Bonnie. And the reason why is because there's like a soulfulness to it. Because, yeah. um, you know, because the other woman who would have sung it was Sheila. And Sheila would have been more like, nuclear band never stays in tune, you know, or something like that. Whereas Bonnie's like, you know, like she's got attitude in there. You yeah. know, she's she's all up and down the scales. Like, no, I was definitely Bonnie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like 98% sure it's Bonnie, but let me just double check with the I'll go 99. So. I'm 99% <laughs> sure. All right, if we're up to 99. Sheila, if it's a one percent chance that that's Sheila. Good job, Sheila. You killed it. But <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Okay, so in verse two, then you know we've got some different imagery to kind of talk about and pour over what what do you see here in verse two that you wanted to point out well i think that so there's little talk johnny i think is a thing um because the last time that we've heard the name johnny was in america so i actually really like connecting these two songs personally uh because in that song you have johnny who doesn't like america and doesn't want to stand up for the flag and you know all that stuff um, so of course that kid joins a gang <laughs> and of course now he's, you know, he spoke a little bit too much and he ended up blowing the big score for his gang and there's some retribution there. Um, and that sucks, but that's essentially the breakdown of it. More gang violence, but this is not even just normal gang violence. This is, this is gang violence. You're even fighting your own friends, your own allies. You know, so this is a lot of infighting here, and it's not even, hey, it's us against the world. It's us against each other, which is, I think, also evocative of, you know, what this song is kind of pointing towards. Yeah, little talk Johnny. So, I mean, the opposite of that would be big talk Johnny. So, like, little talk Johnny, is that supposed to kind of mean, do you think, somebody who is... You know, uh, doesn't have a lot to say, doesn't have a lot of meaningful things to say. Instead of being all talk, he's like no talk. What do you think I that that means? That the, I, I, for me, it's little talk means like he blabbed a secret, like or you know, it's he, you know, essentially he blabbed a secret by talking, but it wasn't big talk. He wasn't going around boasting. It's little talk, so it's more like he spilled the beans on a secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he blew the big score, so he kind of gets some context clues there that this is what happened. There must have been something that Johnny did that uh, didn't work out great for the for the gang that he's where, in. That's where the little talk. So it's little talk is why they blew the big score, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, that's that's the crazy thing about this song is like there's so much in every line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I read that and heard it, and I'm just like, hmm, I wonder exactly what he's trying to say with little talk, because you don't necessarily hear that being used that often. Typically, it's like somebody's, you know, a big talker. You hear that much more often than a little talker. Well, the other way to interpret that would be that it, it's little Johnny who talked. <laughs> yeah, there you so go. It's little talk Johnny now. Um, maybe it just worked out better, you know, cause sometimes it's like, I have to hit a certain number of syllables for this line, you know? So it's like, I could have said little Johnny talked too much and blew the big score, but I need to figure out how to condense that, you know? So little talk Johnny works, I think in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So yeah, we're going from gang violence again, which is a little more, um, you know, speaking about more domestic issues to then 
nuclear war, like all in the same verse. So it's it's again talking kind of like how you can interpret that first verse to meaning something that's happened elsewhere, you know, not in, not on your front lawn to something that is happening right in front of you in the same way like this verse seems to be doing. Um, yeah. Nuclear band never stays in tune. They all know the words, but the music is doomed. It's just, again, um, gives me that same imagery about, <clears throat> or same fears about nuclear war that Prince was expressing in 1999. Yeah. But also this mirrors the first part, whereas the first, you know, in, in the beginning, it was one line about local, one line about international. Now we're to four lines, and two of them are about local, and then two of them are kind of about international. So there's a balance kind of going on here uh, in, you know, what he's talking about and where he's distributing the lyrics. Yeah, and I just get that he's basically saying nuclear bands don't really work (laughs) because somebody who's just somebody who really wants to start a nuclear war is going to find a way to do it. Um, They're going to, you know, make these weapons, even though they're quote unquote banned. I find it interesting that, you know, what he's trying to say is... um, Criminal activity, whether it's on a global scale or a local scale, is still going to happen. And there's only so much you can do to basically prevent it. Yeah. Well, and I I feel, too, it's like a nuclear ban. Uh, Again, we can take that internationally and actually talk about, again, the march towards the the worst outcome, which would be a nuclear war. but also, if we even shift that now to just thinking about it uh, locally, uh, like the nuclear option for gangs are to, you know, essentially they'll all just explode and gun violence and death and everybody will just kill each other. So, like, there's there's that as well, even if we wanted to shift the focus, you know, to just kind of gang violence. Mm-hmm. I, I like the line, they all know the words, but the music is doomed. I think that that's kind of a, yeah. a cool way of, of basically saying everybody knows what's up, but it doesn't matter because I think uh, the situation is is basically doomed from the start. Or you all know how to sing along to the song, I should say, but it's going to end up in violence or end up in some sort of really bad situation, even though everybody's speaking the same language. Exactly. Everybody, everybody knows the song. Everybody knows the words, but they can't stay in tune. So you're not going to have good music. You're not going to have that good outcome. So yeah, you're not going to have harmony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Harmony. That's a good way. Yeah, because it's like you know everybody should come together, but it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else with that second verse you wanted to highlight, Aloy? No. <clears throat> I, honestly, there's, it, you know, it's weird, right? Because it, as much as each line can be a 20-minute a, a conversation unto itself, um, I think we did good here. Like a gang nailed his feet to a wooden floor is kind of self-explanatory. I noticed we kind of skipped over that one. Uh, because yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty gruesome. It's like yeah, it's self-explanatory. It's just yeah. imagery for the overall thing. There's nothing really to decode there. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I mean, he could have inserted any kind of like violence violent line like you know got his brains blown out or something but he wanted to give us an image that we probably don't often think about and that's somebody's feet being nailed to a wooden floor which is each (laughs) i don't like thinking about that too much but yeah i agree i think that that was more just to rock your brain and you know you're 
it's one thing if he was just to say, and gang violence is bad. And if people would be like, yeah, you're right, it is bad. But like, people if you say, die. Yeah, this gang <laughs> nailed his feet to a wooden floor, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's it's startling in a certain way. So nothing to decode, but just, I just wanted to, the fact that he even just put that imagery in there, I think is a big deal. Yeah, it's a very visceral image. People yeah. can relate to that a little bit closer or, you know, the pain of, experiencing that or the horror of experiencing that more than just somebody's gotten you know killed yeah all right so then we get the chorus again and there's a, a bit more repeated dance on this is kind of like a musical break here the, the chorus expands a little bit longer than it did between verses one and two i think it's time And we get to eventually we get to the third verse a bass guitar and spider webs longing for the funk uzi gun takes his place in a wagon trunk and then in the background here says somebody say get off me punk you ain't sexy <laughs> stealing ladies purses then setting them aflame eminem killers playing mickey mouse games there you go um i would say th- the third verse has some of the more the most interesting most memorable lyrics in the song oh yeah and that's a very third verse thing for prince to do i mean he likes i mean maybe not just a prince thing it might like be just a songwriting technique to switch things up by the third verse to make things a little more interesting prevent it from getting stale what i will say is that a lot of songs don't even have third verses so like songwriting etiquette or you know general consensus is you know usually you have two strong ones if you have a third one there better be a good reason to have it so <laughs> well he usually so, has a pretty good reason to have it because i yes. love prince's third verses typically like as a rule I agree. well i agree i'm just saying like it, if if this had come in uh, like if this had been the second verse and then we got the second verse as the third verse it wouldn't have been as powerful mm-hmm. uh like this third verse needed to be amazing plus we get the bass line, you know, boom, 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 like freaking love that bass line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, just apropos because this is the line, a bass guitar and spider webs longing for the funk, which yep. I get imagery of like a, just a bass guitar that's not being used. Uh, right. It's collecting spider webs or dust or whatever you want it. And longing for the funk, meaning like it's it's simply just sitting idle. Um not being used the way it's supposed to be why why it was built and and created to begin with is to play bass notes and uh you know bass is a very funky instrument so if you play it in a certain way you're going to get you know some serious funk out of it and that's prince did that obviously a lot of his funkiest songs have an amazing bass line to them right and then that goes along with the uzi gun takes its place in a wagon trunk Meaning that, you know, the young kids today, they're not learning music and creativity. They're learning how to pick up a gun and how to kill each other. And that's, you know, that's basically what he's saying is like, you should be playing music. You should be playing the bass, you know. And there was one thing, too, with the spiderwebs for me 
is that uh, the idea of spooky electric always kind of came off as kind of creepy, kind of like spidery, like legs. So it, it almost felt like when he says he bass guitar and spider webs, it almost seemed like it was also part of the spooky electric kind of story that was being told here. And that, you know, it's almost spooky electric's fault that, you know, it, it covered your base in spider webs, you know, and lured you to uh, gang violence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, it's like a haunted house type of situation where where you yeah. go to the base, the creepy basement that Spooky Electric lives in, and there's a well, you glance over and you see a bass guitar covered in spider webs because he's kind of kind of trapped, you know. And he, there's also a thing about spider webs where if there's enough spider webs, you can't even see the thing that's under it. You know, so it could even just be that, you know, the base is there, but the, you know, the kid is so, so drawn into the act, you know, the Uzi gun and the violence and the death that he can't even see the thing that's staring him right in the face because it's so covered with spider webs. That's it. The imagery is interesting and can be taken further in a lot of different directions. That's, you know, what I'm saying right now probably wasn't even the initial intent, but that's how I interpret it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's all good. And the fact that we know that there's a bass guitar in this because we were told and then we hear it. <laughs> I just I just love how they bring that back. So thanks for uh, making me aware or, you know, make, connecting the dots basically from that seemingly non sequitur line at the very very beginning of the song to this third this third verse well i mean there's been a bass the whole time but it has been kind of underneath the rest of it and it's none of it's been funky the whole rest of the song is and like that's yeah just chugging along over and over again you know so it is it is an impressive thing that at this point the bass jumps out and like it's like, hey, look at me, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also when you mentioned like quote unquote kids, you know, young, young adults, kids, however you want to describe teenagers in early twenties. Likely it's not explicitly mentioned as such, but likely being, you know, the perpetrators or the people that he's talking about here. I mean, he says young brothers in the first verse and then you know, um, you know, a lot of lot of um, people that are in gangs tend to be of the younger generation at the yeah. time. That's that's who they're targeting is the young folks, the ones who don't maybe have a great home life or are living in poverty. They're looking for that surrogate family. So then that last line, Eminem killers playing Mickey Mouse games, really kind of to me speaks to that how it's the it's the young people that are typically being caught up in in this violence and in this um, right. cycle of violence. Oh, I completely agree with that. And 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 it's again like and it's connected to the line before the stealing ladies purses and setting them aflame, meaning there's all of this violence and crime and activity, but it has no purpose. You didn't steal mm-hmm. the lady's purse to get the money. No, you just stole it and then you burned it. Like who cares? Let's go steal the next one and burn it too. You know, it's yeah. like it's all about chaos and just the the chaos and the destructive nature of it all and not towards any specific goal. Yeah. Crime for the sake of crime, violence for the sake of violence, not really seemingly done for any specific reason other than because chaos rules. 
you know, and like you said. So I like the, I just like the play on words there and then the, the way it's sung and performed at the end, you know, with, with Bonnie's vocals really kind of prominent there. Eminem Killers playing Mickey Mouse games. It's yeah. pretty it's pretty damn memorable. And even if some of the lines, you know, you're if you're struggling to understand or comprehend, that line to me is is clear as day. And yes. I like that. Uh, get off me, punk! You ain't sexy. What? <laughs> what's going on there? First of all, who do you think says that? I maybe Levi. I'm not sure. Uh, it sounded like Levi. Uh, yeah. If if the two the two options here listed are Levi and Miko, and I think it sounded more like Levi, but I mean it could have been Miko. It's, you know, you can never really tell. Uh, yeah. But I think it sounded more like Levi. Yeah, and it's more just because it's fun to speculate, not because it really matters. It doesn't really uh, who matter. Who said it. it? I mean, it wasn't <laughs> Prince. It didn't. Definitely didn't sound like Prince to me. So yeah, it could matter because Levi is the bass player. Ah, so yeah. he just got done talking about the bass, and it it almost seems like so Uzi Gun takes its place in a wagon trunk. It could be like somebody was going to try and take his bass away to give him an Uzi, and he's just like, "Ah, oh, get off me, punk! You ain't sexy." Like, no, you ain't taking my bass. I'm yeah, gonna whoever's trying to take his bass is not sexy. So maybe Spooky Electric's trying to take it. <laughs> there you go. Could be, or or I think he was just using sexy as like you ain't cool, you know, like uh, you know, like you know, you ain't what you think you are. You're not, you're not about to take my base from me. So yeah, I think that's probably what it is. So honestly, I think that that's even more evidence that it's probably Levi. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, I just thought it did for sure. And then when you put it in the context of where it fits in with the verse, and because otherwise you're like, okay, well, because the next line is talking about stealing ladies' purses. Yes. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't think, you know, um, man purses were much of a thing in the late eighties. So <laughs> I doubt I doubt uh whoever is saying this line is referring to his purse being snatched. Yeah. So uh but no, but that's actually pretty interesting because you know, we're saying the, he plays the bass guitar, somebody tries to steal the bass guitar, and he's like, get off me, punk. And so, so they are unsuccessful. So what do they do? They just steal some ladies' purses. So even that part, the imagery and stuff, it's like they couldn't get the base from Levi, but now they're just going to go steal some purses. You know, so it, it, it is kind of interesting, like, how the lines flow. They have a flow to them. Yeah, no, I agree. I like it. I like how it flows. And that, like I said, that verse is is my personal favorite of the of the four that we're going to be talking about. For that reason, for the last line, um, I just like the imagery just, I don't know, it just kind of hits home more, I guess, because it's talking about um, music and violence and just kind of like really senseless stuff, like senseless violence, which yeah, um, we can all relate to a little bit better because we hear about that, you know, locally, like we turn on our own news and our our local news and we hear about stupid, you know, crime that why, why? Why did you do that? Or what was the purpose of this? And, yeah. you know, you read the police blotter and you see stuff like that where like nuclear war and grenade launchers. Yeah, those are more horrific because they they're more um, they the loss of life is much greater with those types of act actions. But they do feel a little bit disconnected because they're not typically occurring here on our soil and in right. our backyards. Uh, dance on again is the chorus. So I'm not going <laughs> to repeat that. But uh, verse four, verse four is Prince is trying to get a little more reflective and a little, little more. Um, I don't know. I guess he's 
trying to give us some food for thought. It's time for new education. Former rules don't apply. It's time for a new education. The former rules don't apply. We need a power structure that breeds production instead of jacks who vandalize. And then here's the other line that I was kind of referring to or alluding to before where it's really quiet. And if you don't have the lyrics in front of you to even know that something's being said here, you might completely miss it. And this is where Prince is Detroit. What's happening? Oh, okay. I was going to say, I know, I definitely heard that line. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hear it now because I know it exists, but I couldn't yeah. tell you, like, oh, yeah, my favorite line is the Detroit what's happening, because I don't even know if I heard it, to be <laughs> quite honest with you before. So, I don't, it's funny I don't how that works. anybody's favorite line, especially not anybody from Detroit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course not. But let's, uh, but besides that last line, let's let's talk about what he's saying here. It's time for new education. Former rules don't apply. And he says this a little bit like, I don't know, like um, in a way that he's done before. Like I've heard him do this kind of thing before. Well, it's yeah. like it's like on controversy. Um, you know, we need a, a new breed leader, for instance. Oh, uh, like in sexuality. Yeah. That's oh, sexuality. Excuse me. It's like in sexuality then. Edit that mm-hmm. so that I sound smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> but no, so it's, it's kind of like that, though, where he states up front, he's like, Dance On is a song about what's wrong. Hey, by the way, we could fix this if we wanted to, right? It's like, it's just about wanting to. And it's about wanting to on a on a large scale, like systemically wanting to. Uh, so, you know, we need new education. Uh, we And and that has actually been, the, the, the next line being formal rules don't apply. That's kind of the big thing, right, is, is for systemic change, you can't try to tweak what exists. You you have to remove what is there and create something new. Otherwise, the remnants of what was already there will just continue to pervade the new system. So, and and that is what has been stated many many times in political circles. Uh, but of course, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'll stop complaining because our our politicians suck and they don't listen to people. Uh, they just you know they they love the status quo, but. Songs like this are kind of there to point out the status quo is really, really bad, <laughs> and we kind of need a different status quo. Uh, so then, of course, we need a power structure that breeds production instead of jacks who vandalize, and it's that we need we need that new education to go towards prosperity for all and not uh, putting so many young people, especially uh, young people of color, into these kind of weird funnels that kind of just funnel them right into um i mean a lot of them prison you know uh it's it's kind of crazy like i'm so lucky that i ended up not growing up in you know super bad neighborhoods that had lots of gang violence because i mean i could have just ended up just like everybody here that prince is singing about yeah i mean it's it's a it's one of those kind of deep verses where you know he's wanting to express like disillusionment, I guess, with the the current systems that and current laws that are in place, how they're maybe not quite as um, fair or equitable for for all of us as the way they're supposed to be. At least that's you know what the Constitution's supposed to tell us that we're all equal. And but 
we all kind of know better that it also depends on how much money you have depends on your education where you grew up uh, there's a lot of factors in there and that's why he's like it's time for a new education because maybe the educational system that we've got today isn't cutting it not for everybody at least uh, right. in a way that it's supposed to power structure that breeds production i like the you know the fact that this is where it kind of ties in for sexuality again because the use of the word breed reproduction of a new breed we need a power structure that breeds production yeah it's, it's not a word that you hear a lot so when he does say the word breed and he's not talking necessarily about reproduction of of people but it you know something else like it has a different meaning to it instead of jacks who vandalize like be productive build up your build up your communities build up your you know your homes and and your families and support that instead of vandalizing which goes, speaks back to that third verse a bit uh, yeah but also with the adding of the line detroit what's happening right after that it what it tells me is that he's for whatever reason highlighting detroit i mean there was a lot of there's a lot of cities in the united states that you know have seen um increases in poverty and crime due to the disappearance of, of manufacturing jobs and uh, a lot of that in the rust belt as we've seen in cities like detroit but he calls out detroit you know, prince always had like a really strong connection uh, with the city of detroit throughout his career and so maybe he just felt like detroit needed calling out because he loved it so much you know like you call out the people that you love to make changes as opposed to like you know, people that you're just not as close to. So. Yeah, I, I was I was actually just going to say the same thing, uh, you know, because uh, Chicago is is largely known as, you know, the it's <laughs> it's really, really high up on the list in terms of uh, violent places to live in terms of violent crimes. Um, but Prince didn't really have much of a connection to Chicago. So, of course, he's going to call out Detroit, which you know, ends up, I mean, it's, it's less than Chicago, but it's also way more than a lot of other places. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, so I, even, even just, uh, in the recent, you know, statistics and whatnot, like Detroit is, it's, it's pretty up there. It, it is, it is still pretty up there, uh, and keeps rising, which is, you know, the, the, the really sad part of it all. Yeah. And this is 30, three 34 years ago so yeah things haven't really improved that much so things haven't changed which is sad but at least in the late 80s detroit was a city that was struggling with with crime and with poverty and um, prince felt probably pretty affected by that knowing his his affinity for the city and, the, and the, his fans there the other exactly. thing i wanted to call out um because we mentioned you mentioned sexuality but another song that I thought of when I was listening to this verse, kind of like how it's structured, how you know the language it's using, even though the messages are a little different, was in All the Critics Love You in New York. So he said, it's time for new education. It's the first line here. But in All the Critics Love You in New York, he says, it's time for a new direction. So it's almost like identical. It's time for a new yeah. education. It's time for a new direction. Nearly identical first lines there. Um, kind of changes then differently from there because after that he says in all the critics it's time for a new direction it's time for jazz to die fourth day of november we need a purple high so you know, it's not it's not identical in terms of the messaging there but i did think it was interesting that those first that first line in that verse 
both of those songs are almost identical with the switching of direction and education. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's kind of the thing is, is there were certain songs where Prince was like, all right, guys, seriously, please, please listen to me now. It's, (laughs) you know, and like it's time for is actually that's a pretty like strong stance to take. You know, like it's time for this. Please, let's do this. Um, So, yeah, no, I like the correlation um, of those two songs uh, as well. So, yeah, most definitely. Uh, and also, and also, I was just looking up. Um, I was just looking up the uh, crime rates, just you know, recent crime rates, and uh, Detroit is actually number two per capita. In uh, Chicago, in uh, actually Chicago, because it's per capita, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, main. It's not like just the sheer number. It's also based on population. So mm-hmm. uh, Chicago is. Where the number seventeen? Wow! And Detroit okay. number two. <clears throat> What's number one? <laughs> number one, St. Louis, Missouri. I don't think I was expecting that number, uh, or that. Well, that as, as a of... former resident of St. Louis, I can kind of speak a little bit to that. Yeah. Uh, not that I don't know if anybody's listening is that interested, but I know another podcast guest of mine, Richard Cole, lives in St. Louis, and so he he understands the way it is as well but st louis has a weird like the way that they're the way that the boundary lines are they have the city of st louis and they have the county of st louis the city of st louis is literally just like the city limits and it doesn't expand beyond that Mm. so all of the crime is very uh, concentrated in a a fairly small population small dense population like the city of st louis only has like three hundred thousand people or so the metro area of st louis is you know, 2 million or so. So those crime rates based off per capita really, it hurts St. Louis because, you know, there is a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of crime in the city itself, but they don't have the luxury of expanding their, their metro area beyond to uh, accompanying or borderline uh, suburbs where maybe the crime rates a little less so that it kind of like dilutes that number a bit. It's very concentrated because it is just the city of St. Louis, while other cities expand their their borders and their uh, municipality lines outward a bit more. So exactly, exactly, yeah, I, I definitely was noticing that when I was looking at it, because it's not just the number, but it's also based on population. So since it's a high number and a low population, that's why that one and Detroit, because Detroit's just under seven hundred thousand, uh, but also has a high number of total violent crimes. And I'm going violent crimes here, not every crime yeah Uh, yeah whereas chicago is also high but since it's per capita that's divided into 2.7 million instead of into 670,000. you Mm -hmm. know so it seems like it's lower even though you know it's still it's still very bad uh but it um but that's why that's why detroit is so high up on the list it's number two so uh, you know prince was correct prince was right yeah (laughs) unfortunately for detroit he was right yes well then the song isn't really all that long it's about i don't know three something three and a half three three and three quarters uh minutes long Uh, three minutes 46 46 seconds okay so three and three quarters all right so then the outro um this is where you get some different lines and and it's again because a lot of the song is a multi you know, multi-voice, multi-vocals. Yeah. The outro is no different. So I, there's a woman saying, 
to my ears, a woman saying, what color is your money today? And then a di- lots of different voices, including princes, I hear then yeah. say, follow that up with get your money straight. Mm-hmm. And they kind of keep going back and forth between those two lines. What color is your money today? Get your money straight. What color is your money today? Get your money straight. Everybody dance on. That's really like the last handful of lines. Yeah. Um, so now we're talking money. Like money really hadn't been referred to in the song. It had been talking about all these other things and never really kind of touching on money or poverty, even though it was implied, I think, in a lot of ways. But it never explicitly talked about money. So, like, what color is your money today? Like, that line's interesting to me. What color is your money today? What do you, do you have any thoughts on, like, what is he trying to say with the color of your money? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that he is specifically saying that uh, money is basically hoarded by people of a certain uh ethnicity if you want to say and and basically you know kind of the the crux of the song it's like if you're if you're poor and black you don't have the luxury of playing music you either have to join the military or you have to join a gang uh but if money was more equitable and if money uh was quote-unquote straight as he says in this money in this in this thing then you know the color of the money wouldn't necessarily be in question the color would be green because that's the color of our money instead of you know what it seems like he's implying with this is that you know money is white you know essentially mm-hmm. yeah, so, so that's what i got from it at least yeah yeah i i agree and also i kind of wonder like colors your money today like should is he is he calling for uh people of color to be spending money within their own communities and supporting like black businesses, black owned businesses. Um, not to say that the like literally the money's gonna change color. Obviously it doesn't, but you could say like, well, the color of my money, like the money I'm making or the money I'm spending, I'm gonna, you know, um spend it in in black communities or black owned businesses or, you know, Hispanic or Latino, uh, anything like that. And you could say like the color of the money maybe is spreading throughout um my own community. So therefore it's kind of like symbolically changing the the color of it i think so i i think that there's i don't know if prince was as forward-facing uh to be talking about you know um (laughs) about like uh what is it um ethical economics like how we talk about it today um but i can see that i mean there's definitely something to it like he's 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 in that atmosphere i think without necessarily having um, a plan, which is, I think, part of what is interesting about a lot of Prince's music, where he is kind of talking about certain things. He really kind of likes to present these large, like these larger ideas of just how the world should be, um, but doesn't necessarily, you know, give any sort of plan to that. It's not like, all right, we need a power structure that breeds productions. Uh, go. It's just like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, how, do, how do you expect us to do that, Prince? Well, you know. Um, what do they call it? They call those thought leaders. <laughs> yes. So so I like that. Right. I mean, and that's kind of where he is with that. So the color, what color is your money today was like the start of the, you know, ethical economics kind of movement that we have today, which is like, hey, you don't spend your money in a business that uh, doesn't reflect your values. 
or the way that you want the world to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I get. Get your money straight. It's just another way of saying like, you know, get your game right, get your money right. You know, uh, don't, don't, um, don't spend money places that don't need your money or that aren't, like you said, ethical and try to find different avenues for, for making money and spending your money and be just be wary. it's kind of like with the knowing where your food sources come from like know where your money's going you know well um, and i think i think too that might be uh what you just said kind of sparked another idea which is you know if you think about blood money like there are people here who are in this song who are you know gang members and they're committing all this violence and they probably have some money but it's all blood money which means that money would be red you know so you know you want to get your money straight and get it back you know you want to clean you want cleaner money you don't want to have to get money the way that you're getting it um but again that only is going to happen through systemic change which is what that last section was talking about i agree okay well i don't know do we have anything else we wanted to talk about with dance on any other overarching themes that you think we've missed i think we covered it but I think we hit it. It it just seems so weird to me again, and I'll just point it out again, that, like, people sleep on this song, and they think it's just, like, a whatever song, and it doesn't fit, or, and it doesn't have, like, we literally, this is a big song, and we literally just talked for an hour about all of the underlying messages, and these are not small messages. All of these are huge. Like, this song, I feel, should be higher up on a lot of people's lists than they, it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the music is a little awkward at times, like the way that the drums are kind of chopped up. I wonder if that you know, kind of makes people feel a little sort of way about the song, like they don't love it from a musicality standpoint. It's It's kind of a jarring, interesting composition musically. But I think it fits with the lyrics because the lyrics are kind of jarring <laughs> as yeah. well. Um, and with that, it does kind of sound like a little bit like a machine gun or um, even a marching, like, like it, there's something going on with that. I mean, it wasn't just kind of an interesting musical choice. I think it was fitting along with the themes of the song and how it was presented. Like, I need to, even though the chorus is, you know, like you said, bright and airy and got some nice keyboards and the drums seem to come back together. But during the verses, it's, it seems very sparse and harsh almost yeah, the way, exactly. way it's presented. And that matches the lyrics. So good job. Good job, Prince. Company. Good job writing this song. <laughs> Patchy on the back there, man. Yes. All right. Uh, Aloy, what do you... Um, what do you got going on, man? I mean, I know you got a lot going on. So why don't you share what you've got going on with the folks listening to this episode? <laughs> oh, you know me. I always have a ton going on. Well, I mean, definitely yeah. go check out Princess Friend, the YouTube channel. Uh, we were a little bit sparse uh, in our uploads in the second half of last year uh, due to a few different personal things. However, uh, we're going to be picking that back up here in 2022. So go subscribe to that channel, Princess Friend, and you'll have a fun time with us. We have a – oh, God. Well, I have – it took me six months to finally get to coming back to the channel because I can't wait to to talk about Welcome to America. And I know everybody probably has already talked Welcome to America to death, but like 
I'm only just now about to talk about it, and I'm excited. Uh, so, so there's that. And then obviously also go check out my band, uh, Strays of the World. Uh, our first album, In My Head, was also released uh, in the first half of 2020. and I'm sorry, 2021. And then also I kind of wasn't able to promote it as much as I would have liked in the second half. Uh, so it's still out there. Go check it out, straysoftheworldmusic.com. Uh, go listen to the first album. If you like it, pick up a copy. I think it'll be fun. It's really good music, or you know, I'm biased. So, no, it is. <laughs> I, dig, I dig it. I like your album a lot. The, well, the and the next album. album is on the way. So the next album is is uh, coming. It's it's going to be ten, possibly eleven songs. I'm still debating whether to put that eleventh song on there or not. Uh, but it's it's really really good. You guys will not be disappointed. Sweet. All right. Well, let me know when you get some songs up, and I'll. Uh... I'll, I'll blast them out there as well because your music's great and i always want to support whoever's on my show and their personal and creative endeavors because it's all about you know kind of supporting and got a little bit of a community going on here we need to support each other for sure 100 percent, dude thank you so much i you know i always appreciate your support and uh you know you do good stuff here too so like i'm always here to support you as well Thank you. Thank you, Aloy. And thanks to all the listeners. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. Find the show on your favorite social media platform, Press Rewind Pod. Got a Discord out there now. So, you know, we talk prints, talk specific songs, talk uh, podcast episodes. Um, you know, we try to have some fun there and I try to share stuff. Yeah, even have a YouTube channel now trying to share things that I come across besides just podcast episodes. So hopefully everybody checks it out. Um, and until next time, thank you very much. Sincerely, everyone. And goodbye.